Hallelujah. Wow. Praise the Lord. So good to be in God's house today. So the food is being provided by this side of the sanctuary and this side of the sanctuary. The tailors and the Powell, sorry. Oh my goodness, my brain. I have a brain. I do have a brain. Most of the time it works. I pulled into a gas station to get some air for my tires and the air machine now costs a dollar twenty-five. Unbelievable. Well, I guess that's inflation for you. <laughs> inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you are still going, huh? What the One day long ago, a Czechoslovakian came to visit his friend in New York. When asked what he wanted to see, the Czechoslovakian replied, I would like to see one of the zoos in America. To his delight, the New Yorker took him to the zoo. While they were touring the zoo and standing in front of the gorilla cage, one of the gorillas busted out of the cage and swallowed the Czech whole. Shocked, his friend from New York quickly called over the zookeeper. He quickly explained the situation, asked the zookeeper what he planned to do. The zookeeper asked the man, okay, which gorilla did it? Was it the male or the female? Pointing out the female as the culprit, the zookeeper then opened up the mouth of the female, looked inside, but found no signs of the check, with which the man from New York shrugged and said, guess the check's in the mail. <laughs> check's in the mail. I know you've never heard that one. <laughs> Today, our core value, as Pastor Billy shared, is stewardship. And what we say around here is, don't be a stupid steward. Because we all manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. And the heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine, it will always be yours. So we give him our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. And we understand that everything we have has been given to us by God. Everything. So don't be a stupid steward because you will give an account to God for how you've stewarded everything he's blessed you with. Look at your neighbor and say, you'll give an account. The day is coming where you will stand before God and give an account for everything he's blessed you with. Let me get very practical for a moment this morning. Online giving accounts for a huge percentage of our church's giving. How many of you give online? And a lot of people watching online give online as well. Some are unaware that if you give online by credit card or debit card, there are fees that accompany your giving. I've got good news. There is a way that 
You can reduce the fees that those cards and the giving platform charge. And also there, you may not be aware that you can cover the fees to bless the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you can cover the fees. That's good news. But ACH bank transfers are hands down the best, most cost-effective payment option for recurring donations and large one-time gifts. Somebody say, ACH bank transfers. <laughs> that means you give the giving platform your banking information, and it's a quick withdrawal. And ACH transfers only cost 30 cents per transaction. That's good stewardship. 30 cents. And you can set this up on the Church Center app with your banking information. So if you didn't know that, I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help the church by saving the church a ton of money. Okay? Also, as an online giver, you're able to make a choice to cover the processing fees for your credit or debit card transactions, which will save the church a lot of money if you don't set up the ACH giving. Our encouragement to you and a blessing to the kingdom and a blessing to you as well would be to set up ACH giving. And it's simple. And Mr. Bill Grandizio, our financial administrator, would you stand, Bill? Uh, Mr. Bill would love to help you with that. He would love to help you with that. Now, you can set that up also in your recurring donations or one-time gifts right on the Church Center app. So the church isn't out the fees. And I did a little research. In 2022, last year, the fees for online giving that the church was responsible for, are you ready? $8,137.17. That's what it cost the church for you to give online. Now, most of that could have been covered, and that would have gone to a whole lot of ministry. So let me just encourage you that, that uh, our giving online is, is a blessing, but it can be more of a blessing if we'll all do our part the way it needs to be done. Amen? Amen? Nudge your neighbor and say, that, that's good. That's good. Let's do it. So we like to say, don't be a stupid steward because we manage heaven's resources for the Father's business. And as soon as I say today is about stewardship, many of you have already shut down. You've, you've tuned out. You're gone to whatever thing you're thinking about. Because you think today is going to be about tithing and giving to the church. And, and that message has become like white noise to you. It's just like... <sighs> I don't hear it, blah, 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 ah, la, 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 la. And let me just, let me help you for just a couple of moments. The word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, simply means tenth. It's a percentage. And God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And he says, if, if you don't do that, if you don't bring the tithes and the offerings, you're robbing me. 
God says to bring it into this storehouse. And that doesn't mean you only bring it when you come. I know that's shocking. But if you made it, then you bring it. If you've been blessed with it, then you bring it. No matter if you're in the house or not. No matter if you're on vacation or not. Because a lot of times, tithe goes on vacation. I'll just be real honest. I've seen it happen. Where have you been for five weeks? On vacation. Where'd the tithe go? Oh, now you're meddling. Now don't be meddling. No, God wants to meddle in your life. Because you don't give the tithe, you bring it because it's not yours to give. It's not yours. God says it's mine. And he said, I will bless you if you'll bring it. He said, test me. Prove it. I'm going to ask those of you who have had a tithing miracle to stand to your feet. I'm standing. You know. You know. I don't have to convince you. Right? Talking to everybody else. Have a seat. Thank you. The tithe belongs to God, and any offering that he nudges you to give belongs to him. And if you've known this and have chosen not to do it, I fear for your soul when Jesus comes back for his bride. So, well, pastor, that's pretty harsh. Let me ask you a question. Would you marry someone who repeatedly stole from you? Just saying. I'm not the one that said you're robbing God. His word declares that if you don't bring the tithe or the offerings, you're robbing him. And yet today isn't about tithing. I just wanted to give you a quick reminder of the importance of it. Smile at your neighbor and say, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> We're going to make it through this. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal to God. I would, I would venture to say, if the church of the living God actually tithed, there would be no end to what we could do in this world to see his kingdom come, his will being done. So stewardship, it leads to obedience, which leads to generosity, and generosity brings joy. And God is releasing joy in this house and in your house by way of obedient generosity. And when you understand that you are simply a steward of everything he's blessed you with, then you joyfully do what his desires are, and it brings such joy. There's, you ever had a, you ever been a kid? And you lived in disobedience? 
I'm going to go back to my teenage years. I was there. I, I lived there. I, I hid stuff. Okay? I hid stuff from my parents. I, I lived in fear and trembling that they would find out my secrets. I remember the night, middle of the night, mom and dad had come home. I was already in bed. I was sleeping, getting ready to go to school the next morning. And they came in with a letter from my high school. I didn't know the high school had sent a letter. They confronted me. They confronted the smell on my clothes. You know what I'm talking about. They said, your school says you've missed 16 days of history. A history class, I'll be honest with you, was not one of my favorites. I was hard of hearing back then, still hard of hearing some days. All of you husbands understand? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, forget all that. <laughs> I couldn't hear the teacher, so I would sleep through class, and my friends, well, they decided to go to the pool hall. And I would leave class. I wouldn't go. I, I would leave with them, leave the campus. Back in the days when you couldn't do that. It wasn't allowed. And we'd go to the pool hall and we'd play pool and they would smoke and do their thing and do the, the other thing and all the other stuff. And then, then sometimes they would go to the grocery store and go get lunch for free. I had no idea. I was just along for the ride. Can I help some of you? If you don't make a decision to stand, you will go along for a ride with other people that will take you places you don't want to go. There were moments where I feared that I would end up in jail. Not because I had done something, but because I had been with someone who had done something. Your, your company... Bad company corrupts good morals. It'll mess you up. It'll take you places you never thought you'd go. It'll keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay. And you'll find yourself in a mess if you just continually go with the crowd. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to go against the flow, against the grain. And God's called you to that. Where was I? I don't know. Talking about obedience, being an obedient child. You don't live in fear when you're obedient. You don't live in fear of punishment. You don't live in fear of consequences. I never had the fear of getting a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> never, not once. So, how beautiful it is to steward your life in a way that brings obedience, that leads to generosity, that leads to joy. 
joy unspeakable and full of glory. Christian are examples of that. We, we have obeyed the Lord. I'm going to say 98.9%. Maybe more than that. Yeah, probably I did. When he's spoken, we've obeyed and we've answered. We've done what he's asked us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul the Apostle writes to the Corinthian church. I hope you got some time today because I got 20 pages of notes, all right? I'm kidding on the pages, but I do have some things to share. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, remember this. Now, when somebody says remember this, it's usually a big deal. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, I hear uh, Bible churches get upset when they say, yeah, the pastor's asking for a seed. The Bible didn't talk about seed being money. Paul does, because he's talking about giving here. And he calls it a seed. And he's saying, whoever sows a seed, a money seed, sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give. Each of you should give. That's what the Bible says. You should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, oh, okay, if I have to, or under compulsion, oh, if they're going to force me to give, I guess I'll give. No, he's saying... Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful, full of joy. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, that's what God wants for you. He wants to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, in every situation, you have exactly what you need and you're able to abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So are you telling me that my monetary gifts are tied to my righteousness? Just a thought. It looks like that from what the Apostle Paul is saying. They freely scatter their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he, somebody say he, point upward, 
He, it's he, him, God. He who supplies seed to the sower. That's where you get the ability to give because Deuteronomy tells us that it's him who gives you the ability to gain wealth. The brain you have, the, the muscles you have, the ability to, to critically think, do things with your hands, have given you the ability to gain wealth. Where did it come from? It came from God. He who supplies seed to the sower, he's the one that gives you the seed. You're the sower. And he gives bread for food. He feeds you. He's taking care of you. Here's what he's going to do. He will also supply and... Oh, it's not there. You can't read it. I don't understand. I can see it. It's right there. He will also supply and increase your store of seed. He's going to give you what you need and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of what? Your righteousness. Something happens spiritually when I give generously. Something shifts. It shifts in the, the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. Oh, this spills over into everything. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through, your gener through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Ah. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. For the, for the, for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Your obedience that accompanies your confession. So you can confess that you know the Lord Jesus, but your obedience brings this to bear. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Whew. Oh, that's good. That's the word of God. Joy abounds when we steward well what we've been entrusted with. You remember the story of the, the stewards, the three people who were put in charge of the master's money. 
The two good stewards that were faithful with the master's money came to him joyfully with what they had earned from what he had given them. But the one who steward, stewarded badly what the master had entrusted to him said, I was afraid. So I hid it. I, I was afraid. You can't live in fear and be filled with joy. You can't live in fear and be obedient in tithes and offerings. Because you won't give because you're afraid. Well, I only have so much. It's the widow of Zarephath when Elijah said, come fix me one first. And he, she's like, this is all I have. But instead of fear, she stepped out in faith and did what the prophet said to do. Because of that, miraculous provision flowed. You can't live in fear and be a good steward. Fear will rob you of eternal blessings, generous blessings that God wants you to have. Fear is a thief. Tell your neighbor that. Fear is a thief. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I got to tell you, I, I so want the joy of the Lord to be yours through generous obedience. This house wants that for you. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. We're not trying to get something from you. I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. Some of the biggest givers that used to go to this church aren't here anymore. And nobody chased them. And we won't chase you because you're not our supplier. I praise God for your generous obedience, okay? But you're not the supplier to the house. God is. And he'll always bring generously obedient people who are filled with the joy of giving to sustain what he's called us to do. If God started this church, which he did, we just obeyed what he said to do. If he started it, he'll keep it going. Fear not. Amen. Okay. I'll try to be longer than I thought I was going to be. You got nowhere to go, okay? Yeah, I'm serious. Because if we let you go early, you just hang out here. <laughs> Nobody leaves. It's the most amazing thing. And that's a sign of a healthy house. When nobody wants to go. John Stone Street writes, Many Christians, a college buddy of mine once observed, are secularists, boy, secularists with a twist. Secularists. I got a missing tooth over here, and it, it is driving me crazy. Never mind. 
Many Christians are secularists with a twist. They believe in God and hope to go to heaven when they die, but they live lives that are largely indistinguishable from everyone else. Secularism is, after all, the default way of thinking about life and the world and our culture. It's the water we swim in, the air we all breathe. And in his book, The Way of the Modern World, author and theologian Craig Gay described this pervasive, everyday secularism. The problem, he said, isn't that most people are atheists, because they're not. Though more people, especially in rising generations, identify as non-believers and religiously unaffiliated, a red-blooded atheist is still hard to find in the wild. The most common thing we encounter, Craig Gay wrote, is practical atheism. In other words, what shapes our world is not so much a proliferation of people who believe that God does not exist. Rather, it is that so many people live as if God does not exist, as if God is irrelevant to most of life. I would drop the mic, but we believe in stewardship. <laughs> These are expensive. Also, I read a recent report by Barna Research. They listed the top reasons people question Christianity. Among those who claim no faith, religious hypocrisy was far and away the most cited response identified by 42% as behind their doubt about Christian beliefs. So unbelievers are being affected by the church's practical atheism. It's not that we don't believe in God. We just live as if he doesn't really exist. We live as if he's just irrelevant to hear now. Well, we're excited about heaven. We're excited about spending eternity with him, but that doesn't affect anything we do here. So I guess the question each of us needs to ask is, am I a practical atheist? Am I living as if God doesn't really exist? And if I believe that he does exist, am I living as if he's totally irrelevant in my life? The core value of stewardship brings us face to face with the reality of God's existence and our stewardship of that presence. Am I stewarding well the life that he's blessed me with? Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in yourself because you got it all together. You're really good, man. Now trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you can understand, then don't lean on that. Trust in the Lord. Whatever he says to do, do it. Even though it may not make sense to you. How can I live on 90% better than I can live on 100%? Does that make any sense in the natural no, not at all. 
And some of you give way above that, and so you're living on 80% or 70%, and the, the rest is going to the kingdom of God. How are you doing that? Well, he says, if you'll honor me with the tithe and the offering, if you'll bring the tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings you can't contain. You'll have more than you can handle. So you're going to have to give some away. And I'll not only do that, I will rebuke the devourer in your behalf. Don't touch those tires. I consistently have tires that go over 100,000 miles on my cars. Because tires are expensive. And God says, don't be nice to those tires. Ah, pothole, stop it. Stop it right now. And he rebukes the devourer on our behalf. He says, your, your, your vines won't cast their figs. You're, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. Okay? Some things that you, you were going to have to deal with, you're not going to have to deal with. You're not going to have as many doctor bills. You're not going to have as much medicine out of your pocket. You're not, you're not going to be cursed with the curse. You're going to be blessed with the blessing. How does that happen? It happens supernaturally. And you start living righteously. Okay, Your generosity brings righteousness. And then you make the right choices. You're not stupid anymore. You're not spending money on stupid stuff. Come on, don't be a stupid steward. Some of us are spending money on stupid stuff. We're, we're buying lottery tickets because we think that's our answer. We're gambling. We're hoping. I put all on number 19. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, it's gone. And we have no idea because we're not living righteous. Okay. Am I on a soapbox here? I think I am. I, maybe this platform has become a soapbox, thanks to Pastor Isaiah. I like it. I like it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all Submit to him. He will make your paths straight. You're not going to have to be zigging and zagging trying to get, oh, watch out for that. No, he's going to make a straight path for you so you can quickly go where you need to go. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. We want the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord. Give us the fear of the Lord. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of might, spirit of counsel, understanding, knowledge. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This, somebody say this. This, this, this fear of the Lord, this living in right relationship with him. This, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Say the next word with me. Honor. Honor the Lord with your wealth. 
Honor. We believe in honor around here. It's not just lip service. It's honoring with our wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, then, do that honor. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Fear the Lord. This will bring health. This will bring nourishment. This will bring what you need. And then we honor him with our wealth, with the first fruits of all our crops. Then, this is to an agricultural setting. And I would say their, their money, their exchangeability was in crops. Yours is not in crops necessarily, though some of you are farmers. We have any farmers here? Any farmers? Like you, you farm. Dude, Sue, that's, that's amazing. My cousins are farmers, and uh, my family was in the farming business in, in Illinois, and they farmed many thousands of acres, still do. And uh, so crops were their, their thing. But for some of you, your, your paycheck, your, your investments are what is your trading ability. So honor the Lord with that, with the first fruits of all. Then your barns will be filled to overflow and your vats will brim over with new wine. But stewardship isn't just about money. It's stewardship of your time. How are you spending your time? Rick Warren says, time is your most precious commodity. You only have a limited amount of it. The average person will live 27,375 days. If you are older than 27 years old, anybody older than 27? You've lived 10,000 of those days. And you'll never get those days back. So he says, be careful how you live. Ephesians 5.15 says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We live carefully, he says, when we live purposefully. Statistics show that we spend more than three hours a day looking at our phones. Do the math. That's nearly one day out of every week or 11 years of our lives. Wow. 11 years. Wow. I'm spending 11 years Here's what he says. That might not be sin, but it's likely not the best use of our time. How are you spending your time for the kingdom? And I would add, what about your thoughts? How are you stewarding your thought? Your thought life. 
Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God has given us the ability to take every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so when those thoughts come in, thoughts are not evil. But when you dwell on evil thoughts, it will put you in a place where you will become what you're dwelling on. As you think in your heart, so are you. And so take full advantage of the Spirit of Jesus in you to take every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus. If it pops in, lock it up. So I command you in the name of Jesus to be locked up. You can't live in my brain any longer. I've spent way too much time thinking about you. Go now, in Jesus' name. And it will leave. It has to. By the Spirit of Jesus in you. We're stewards of our, our time, of our talent. What talent has God blessed you with, and how are you using them for eternity? I was just thinking this morning about Tom Bush and his talent for woodworking. He built the front part of our, our uh, entryway out there with the wood. It's, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. I was blown away when I saw it. I, just to touch it. I, I like to go up and touch it. It's so smooth and, and it's impressive. But he blessed the church with that. Because that's his talent. Okay. And not only is he stewarding that for the house, but he's stewarding that talent for our Power Place Academy. He's our woodworking teacher. And I was at, at London's house, my granddaughter, and she showed me her finished product. She built a birdhouse. It's impressive. I'm telling you, it's impressive. And Mr. Tom is the one who taught the children, took them through the process, let them touch the tools, let them use the tools, let them do their own thing. And he's stewarding that talent well. Come on. Yeah, let's hear from Mr. Tom. Every Monday at the academy, Sarah Palka comes in and teaches music. You say, well, you must pay a lot of teachers. These guys are doing this for free. They're a blessing. They're just stewarding the talent God has given them. She's pouring musical ability into our children. What a gift. What a blessing. And the kids are learning to sing. They're learning to harmonize. They're learning to, to stay on beat and on track. And it's the most amazing thing. And then you've got Miss Debbie and Miss Carolyn Sheehan. And they're coming in and teaching the Bible because that's a talent God has given them. And they come and pour into the children every single week about the word of the living God. They're making it come alive. And then you got Miss Ashton on the front row here. Gifted beyond what I can dream with art and ability to create things. And she's pouring that freely into our children. She could be teaching at any, any art school. I don't know if you've seen any of her work. You need to see it because it's amazing. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens when you steward well the talent 
God has blessed you with. Then you got Pastor Luke and Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Billy. You know what they do at the school? They teach gym class. It's incredible. It's incredible. Because they're all athletic. They've all got that kind of knowledge. And they, they're able to, to transmit that to the children. They're stewarding their talent well. I, I, I could list a hundred people in this house today. I, I don't have time for that. But thank you for stewarding the talent that God has blessed you with. We talked about treasure. How are we stewarding the treasure? And lastly, let me talk about the tongue. All right. All right. Uh huh. It'll get you in more trouble. If you don't steward your tongue well. What about the stewardship of our tongue, of our lips, of our worship, of our praise? We're, we're quick to talk about, to praise, to worship everything else but God. I mean, if we held a, an Eagles rally here, or Patriots, or Cowboys, Steelers, I don't know. Some of you would come unglued. If we hosted a Phillies celebration, some of you would come unglued and you become undignified in your praise. I, I've seen you. I've seen you at your kid's baseball game. You're undignified. Nobody can shut you up. You're all about it. But when we come to the house of the Lord, we're quick to talk about everything else. Your conversation always goes to, man, did you see? see the newest, how awesome is that? How awesome, how awesome. And the word awesome in the Bible is only referring to God. He's the only thing worthy of awesomeness. We say, what did you think about so-and-so? Her game, her play, that, that was amazing. He, he killed it. He took it out of the park. That performance was off the chart. And we talk about it, we praise it, and we worship it. How best can we steward our worship in a way that's honoring to God? Putting Him first. Stewardship isn't really just a tithing and giving issue. It's, it is a tithing and giving issue, but it's really a lifestyle issue. It's an obedience issue. It's a first fruits issue. Are we putting him first? Are we putting his kingdom first with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue? Or does he just get the leftovers? 
man, I'm really, really tired today, so. Okay. I really used my voice a lot this week, so I'm just going to. And, and we give, we bring the leftovers rather than the first fruits. Rather than the energy that we need, the, the, the over-the-top worship and praise. Romans 14, verse 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. Now, the great thing is that you and I have a choice to do that now. We don't have to wait until it's mandatory. How many of you love when your children do the mandatory thing and say, thank you? I said say, thank you. Thank you. Is that a blessing to you? Or would you rather them freely give thanks? Freely. Say, I love you. Freely talk to those you've asked them to talk to. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each, of, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. NLT says, verse 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. That's a sobering stewardship thought. All of us personally will stand before God and give an account of how well we stewarded. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. What does that tell me? It tells me it's possible to fall short. So be careful. Be careful that you don't, you aren't found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Oh, there is that word again. Obedience is the key to life. Ah! And some of us just aren't obeying God with what he's stewarded, given us to steward. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declare an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, they didn't go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Tell your neighbor, don't harden your heart. Do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered (coughs) and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is one reason why daily encounters with the Lord really matter. His word is going to convict you. His word is going to get in you. His word is going to change you if you'll let it. If you'll obey it. Stewardship. Make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to enter that rest. Verse 11. Make every effort to enter that rest. So that you don't have to perish by following their example of disobedience. My brother was a headstrong, strong-willed, rebellious person as a child and a teenager. And my parents beat the living daylights out of him. And so I looked at his lifestyle of disobedience and I said to myself, I don't have to get that. If I'll just do the right thing, I'll have to get that whooping all the time. Now, they corrected him. They brought him into alignment and he became an incredible missionary. You, you know that. It was that strong will that had to be shifted in the right direction. And through that, many thousands of people have come to know the Lord when he finally became under obedience. But you don't have to live in disobedience. You can look at that and go, ah, aha. I don't have to get the looking. No, I don't. I can be free to live my life if I'll just do it right the first time. And you just walk in joy because you don't have to deal with that. Make every effort to enter that rest. Steward your life in the light of eternity. We need the fear of the Lord. We want the fear of the Lord. Give us the fear of the Lord. Spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge. We need the fear of the Lord. We want the fear of the Lord. Because when we live with the fear of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is ours in full measure. When you live with the fear of fire, you can enjoy the full benefits of fire and not be burned by it. You can cook with it. You can warm yourself by it. You can use it for every good purpose and never deal with the consequences of misusing it. And that, my friend, brings joy. You can live your life filled with the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord that gives you buoyancy, When the times and trials of life try to 
push you down and hold you under, God's joy brings you back to the top. You've sat on a basketball in a pool, right? And there's eventually, it's coming up. It's coming up. It'll shock you. That's joy. Joy gives you buoyancy. Hallelujah. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Woo. Okay, last scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Are we done yet? Are we done? You're not done yet? Okay. You should have said that. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 18. You've not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Why are they in joyful assembly? Because they're stewarding his presence. Wow. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you've come to God, the judge of all. You've come to God, the judge of all. You've come to God, the judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. To the sprinkled blood that speaks better word than the blood of Abel. Verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him and warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things. Everything you see can be shaken. Everything you can't see. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. That, my friends, is stewardship of our tongue. That's stewardship of our energy. That's stewardship of our worship. Am I really living in the light of eternity and stewarding everything that I've been blessed with? My life, my breath, my health, my words, my attitude, my worship, my wealth, my possessions, my thoughts, my time, my family, my relationships, my gifts and talents. How am I stored in for eternity for the kingdom? So don't be a stupid steward because you will give an account to God. You will give an account to God for how you've stewarded everything he's blessed you with.
And remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When, when you're in right standing with God, you're making the right choices. You're trusting the Lord with all your heart. You're not leaning on your understanding. You're living righteous. And that brings peace. Because you're not striving against God. You're not fighting against Him. You're not pushing back saying, ah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I need that 100%. I don't have time to give to, I don't have time to bless anybody with my talent. I, I, I don't have time. Because I got to scroll for three hours. Some of you, three hours is like nothing for that. You're like into the 10 hour thing. And you start to play and scroll and you find yourself several hours later going what did I just do? Righteousness peace because when you're living because you're not out of sync with God and it keeps you in sync with everyone else righteousness, peace and Joy in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Joy, 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 joy. Because righteousness brings peace. And pre peace brings joy. Some of us aren't at peace because we've not given God everything. Today's our day to get things right with God. Amen. In fact, let's stand together. I'd like our prayer team to come and